our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Veritas, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Force has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I think it's time to open the books on the question of government investigations of UFOs. Uh, we ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. Be skeptical. Do be as skeptical as you want, but by all, don't close your mind. to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of the Veritas Show, where you listen because you don't want to believe, you listen because you want to know. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for tuning in once again. And if you are new to the show, make yourself at home. Today, aside from a few quick announcements, we'll go directly to our special guest, Grant Cameron, UFOs and Presidents. To get in touch with me, very simple. Send an email to mel, that's M-E-L, at veritasshow.com. Keep your emails coming. I really appreciate them. And welcome to all of you who are joining the Facebook page. And remember, the Veritas Show contest is still going until March 31st. And the Veritas Show continues to spread, now through the traditional radio waves. A radio station called K-Rocks Radio 1 and Zero Point Radio put us on the air as a test, and we are told they experienced a huge listener increase, resulting in that station now playing our show. In addition, we are now syndicated by the Black Vault Radio Network. We will now begin to explore a few more select radio stations. This is history for the Veritas Show. Next week's special guest is Richard Dolan, UFOs and the National Security State, and the following week, Robert Morningsky. The Terra Papers Revisited. And by the way, this is an exclusive interview after almost a decade of silence from Robert Morningsky. I have a compliment for all of you who listen. I have realized that you are the brightest minds I know. Judging by the emails I get and now by the interactions I'm having with some of you on the forum, I hope to interact with more of you. To join the forum, it's very easy. Just head to our homepage, VeritasShow.com, and click on Forum. Incidentally, you are really 
raising the bar for me, and it's an honor and a true privilege to reach such an intellectual audience, and I want you to know that I'm working very hard to continue earning your loyalty. And without further ado, let's go right to our special guest, Grant Cameron. If there's anyone who has studied the topic of precedents and UFOs, there is no one, and I mean no one, like Grant Cameron. And it's a privilege for The Veritas Show to have him on tonight. Here's a quick introduction from a few presidents. In a few short years, UFOs had reached the highest office in the land. Oh yes, we discussed it at every conference that we had with the military. There's always things like that going on. Uh, flying saucers and we've had other things, you know, if I'm not mistaken. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals, so that security and liberty may prosper together. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweigh the dangers which are cited to justify it. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? If the United States Air Force did recover alien bodies, they didn't tell me about it either. And I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. That's good. How are you? Since the statement made by George Bush last July, there's been a vicious rumor circulating in the UFO community that you've been read into the UFO program. So my question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it and what were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. And it stunned me. It was significant because, first of all, he basically stated it would probably be classified and stated I wouldn't be talking about it, which means it's, it, it, they're going to continue to keep it secret. And he basically acknowledged that, yes, he's in the loop, and yes, there is something to this. It's secret and it's important. Grant Cameron became involved in ufology in 1975 with personal sightings of an object which locally became known as Charlie Red Star. The sightings occurred in Carmen, Manitoba, Canada. In the past few years, Cameron has turned his research interest to the involvement and actions of the President of the United States in the UFO problem. 
He has made over 20 trips to the National Archives and most of the various presidential archives looking for presidential UFO material. One highlight of his presidential UFO research was the chance to question Vice President Dick Cheney on his knowledge of the UFO subject. Another highlight of the presidential UFO research was the Freedom of Information Act request to the White House Office of Science and Technology, which yielded 1,000 pages of UFO documents from the Clinton administration. Many of these findings have been written up on his website, presidentialufo.com. At present, Cameron is awaiting almost 100 Freedom of Information Act requests from the Clinton Presidential Library in Little Rock, Arkansas, related to the UFO-related actions and policies inside the two presidential terms of Bill Clinton. And the Veritas Show is proud to have with us directly from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, the Authority on Presidential Research and UFOs, Grant Cameron. Hello, Grant, and welcome to the Veritas Show. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Mel. I appreciate your interest, and uh, thanks for giving me the time to talk. It's our pleasure. This interview couldn't be more timely, Grant, especially with the new developments that are unfolding about the President Eisenhower and his alleged meeting with extraterrestrials. But before we talk about the presidential world of UFOs, would you like to give a brief history of your educational and work background growing up in Canada and your exciting introduction to UFOs in the 70s, which was fortunate to us since you have become a luminary in the UFO research field. Okay, my background is basically I grew up here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. I've lived here my whole life. It is notorious as being the coldest major city in the world. And uh, I was uh, going to university, I was doing a degree in political studies when I got involved with UFOs, never did finish my degree. Uh, I had a sighting in May of 1975 and really had no interest in UFOs before that, had some interest in uh, life after death phenomena, stuff like that. But UFOs, I can't ever remember having even thought about it. And what happened was there was a sighting of uh, a flap of sightings that occurred at Carmen, Manitoba, which is about 25 miles north of the U.S.-Canadian border and about 30 miles southwest of uh, the big city where I live in. And uh, this sighting st- these things, sightings started in about February of 1975. It went on uh, February, March, April. It was in the newspapers. There was lots of uh, stuff on the radio about it. And uh, we as young uh uh, kids used to drive around the city just doing nothing, just driving around. And I said, well, to my friends, let's go out to this town and see what everybody's looking at instead of driving around the city. And uh, we didn't actually make it out there till May. That uh, What had happened was a uh, local TV station had actually gotten a film of this thing jumping off the ground. They had surrounded the thing on the ground and it had jumped off the ground and they had managed to catch this thing on film as it jumped off the ground. So that, that really sort of hit the headlines. And then we went out and this was shortly a couple days after that. And the first night I was out there, we drove around for about an hour and really didn't see anything. I couldn't figure out what people were looking at. We saw Venus setting. We saw, you know, stars. And we went, well, you know, if this is what everybody's looking at, it's not very impressive. And we were just going into the town for the last time. We'd been driving for about an hour. My friend was driving. And uh, he said, well, we'll go back into town one more time. And this is the town of Carmen. 
were coming in from the east into the town. And uh, it, and I always tell people when I lecture and when I talk about UFOs, there's 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 believing in UFOs, there's disbelieving in UFOs, and then there's knowing. And this thing came in front of the car. It was, I don't know, maybe half a mile, a mile down the road, very, very low, right across the road, uh, bobbing up and down, um, not flying in a straight line, just moving up and down, uh, glowing, pulsing, and it was not a thing where everybody said, well, like we had for the first hour, is that what people are looking at? Is that what people are? As soon as we saw it, everybody said the same thing. There it is. Everybody knew instinctively this is what everybody was talking about. And um, I was totally blown away. I remember the the car we were driving, and the, it was very low, and it was going in behind a set of school buses that they had parked outside the town. And uh, I, it was getting in behind the school buses. You really couldn't see it. It was so low on the ground. And I can still remember getting out of the car. The car was still moving as we were coming to a stop on the highway. And I was trying to run to get past these school buses so I could watch this uh, thing fly off into the distance. And it basically, it was like a switch went off. Uh, it was just like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, why are people not investigating this? What's going on? And uh, I convinced all my friends two nights later to come out to uh, see this thing. I said, you'll never see anything like it in your life. It'll, it's just unbelievable. And I managed to drag out a whole pile of my friends. Uh, this would be two nights later. And we were looking for an airport. There was an airport where all these sightings were rumored to be happening, uh, a small air, airstrip there. And I remember sitting at the, uh, we didn't even know we were at the airstrip. We were actually at the airstrip, but it was a, a, a small local thing. So they had the, the runway lights turned off at night, so we didn't know we were standing there. And there was a whole, I can still remember there was 25 people when this thing started, when we first got there. There was people from all over the place because it was very heavily publicized. There was people uh, from all over the place just parking on back roads and trying to see if they could see this thing. And I remember when the thing finally came, there was only seven of us left. And I know my friends, we sat there for an hour, and my friend said, ah, Cameron, you're crazy. Uh, we're, we're not going to stay anymore. I said, hang on, man. If you see this, it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your life. And they said, nah, nah, we're, we're hungry. We're going back. I can still remember. We're going back to Winnipeg for pizza. We've had it with this. And they got in their car, and they <laughs> took off. And this was about 1230 at night. And about 20 minutes later, this uh, light flashing, bouncing around in the sky like a ping-pong ball moving around in the sky. I can still remember there was there was our car, which had about four people in it. Then there was a second car that had uh, four people in it. And uh, I can still remember it was like being at a football game where the local team is about to score. It was scoring a touchdown. The people swearing, screaming. It was just like pandemonium. And uh, I can still remember there was a girl in the car beside us. I don't know who these people were. Um, she was crying. She couldn't see it because it was bouncing around the sky. And everybody else was was yelling. There was a guy who had a, a camera with a motor drive. When motor drives came to advance film back in the 70s, I can still remember mm -hmm. this click, click, click. And as fast as he could put the film through the camera, this guy was taking pictures of this. And this girl's crying. She couldn't see it. And uh, the people in our car, they're yelling and screaming, is that what it is? And I said, at first, it didn't look like the same thing because it was bouncing around. But as it came towards us and it was coming right at us, it, it appeared to be the same as this first object I'd seen, very, very low to the ground, pulsing red. Uh, you couldn't really see the shape because it was so bright, but pulsing this red with a green glow on the back of it. And in fact, on my Facebook page today, uh, somebody was asking me about this, and I've actually uh, posted three photographs. Uh, and it was, actually had a name. It was seen so many times in this town. It was called uh, Charlie Red Star. And these, these are three photographs that were taken by a professional photographer at the time. And uh, when I started to document the thing, I went and I tried to talk to everybody in the town who had seen this thing. Uh, I actually bought these photographs. I bought the rights to the photograph because I, I figured, like, this is going to be a, ma a major book. Everybody read about this. This is the most amazing thing. 
And uh, so I've actually put those on my Facebook site, the three photographs. And the two, it's like time time lapse or um, sort of like one second uh, photographs. So you can see this sort of a streak. In the, and the third one, the thing is actually sitting stationary in the, in the sky. Very, very clear to what we had seen. And anyway, that's that led to that. I went around. I, I did I did a lecturing around in, in the towns around there. I lectured at the high school in, in this town, and I took a poll, and 59% of the kids in the high school claimed to have seen something in the last two years that they couldn't identify. It was very, very high percentages. It was like half the town. And everybody, and at one point, I think I had about... Uh, hundreds of people on a list of people I hadn't even interviewed. Because what would happen is you'd go interview somebody and they were, well, who, how'd you find out about this? How do you know I had this sighting? And well, it really wasn't anything. And then after you talk to them for 10, 15 minutes, they'd say, well, I wasn't the only one I saw it. And then they'd give you six or seven more names of other people who had seen this thing. And you'd have this list and people I hadn't even interviewed. What happened was I, I, I had the whole thing. I did a, a manuscript with uh, the photographs, with all the interviews. And I went around and uh, to Canadian publishers here in Canada and they were sort of interested. One of them read it. Uh, they put it on their panel to re- to review, and uh, sort of not really that interested. And I, I remember I went to the big publisher in the city where I live, and figured, well, here we go, because everybody in the city knew. And it's a city of seven hundred thousand people. Everybody knew about this story. People were driving out there to see it. And I still remember the publisher, the local publisher in our city, said, "You may believe in this kind of stuff. Count me among the unbelievers." And it was at that point that I sort of went, whoa, you know, like I, I thought this was great. I mean, sightings. And it basically came down to I can tell you about my sightings. And I had a number of sightings for that, that one-year period. But people would say, uh, that's, you know, it's interesting, you know, and then go to another subject. It was like interesting, but it really didn't. Uh, it was like talking about football or something like that. So I, I became sort of disillusioned with the fact that I, I really hadn't gotten anywhere with the manuscript. And what I did at that point, there was my father flew for the Department of Transport here in Canada. I actually had a, a sighting. He was a pilot. And one of the radar techs that worked in his office had actually uh, apparently worked for the guy that ran the Canadian government UFO program. And so my father put me in contact with this guy, and the guy said, well, you know, if you really want to know what's going on with UFOs, you should study uh, Wilbur Smith. And I said, well, who's Wilbur Smith? And he said, well, he's the guy that ran the Canadian government UFO program. And when I was a young engineer, I used to work in the uh, Flying Saucer Observatory that the Canadian government had, and we used to change tapes and all this sort of stuff. And um, so I went, you what? And, and he said, oh, yeah. And Wilbur used to talk to the aliens, and he was he was crazy, but he, he had all this stuff and so I went well so I got some details and I actually went and interviewed all the what they call the what we call the inner circle the people that worked around Wilbur Smith from different agencies I recovered the Canadian government documents from from him his his wife I interviewed his wife and she basically confirmed a lot of this stuff that yes this is all for real and uh, recovered the uh, top secret memo that Stanton Friedman helped recover this was a uh, it's i think the only top secret document that's uh, sort of been legitimized as a ufo document this is the the document where wilbur smith uh, goes to the americans he's uh, negotiating fm radio stations he was a radar technician or radar engineer for the king government and when in the 1950s when they were bringing out fm radio stations he was negotiating with the americans to uh, for the different uh, frequencies and these would include frequencies that were being used by intelligence and all, all this sort of stuff. So he was in the United States quite a bit, and he had gone, because he was very interested in UFOs and what was going on, he went to the Americans, to the uh, Research and Development Board, which Vannevar Bush was associated with, and through the Canadian Embassy, he was asking questions of what was going on in the United States. 
And it was at that point that the the Americans, uh, Robert Starbacher to be specific, Dr. Robert Starbacher, told him, yes, it's, uh, and he put this in the, in the top secret memo, uh, UFO, flying saucers, he never called them UFOs, he always called them flying saucers. Flying saucers is the most highly classified subject in the United States, rated two points higher than the hydrogen bomb. The Americans are working on it, and they have a small group that's trying to figure out what's going on, headed by Dr. Vannevar Bush. So this was the document that was recovered, and his wife told me that uh, near the end of his life, um, he he was dying. He was dying of uh, stomach. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.